last week on our brand new series, Route 66. And of course, when we talk about this, we're talking about uh, going through every book of the Bible. And I shared this map last, last week about on, in the United States, there's this long highway, Route 66. And uh, many of you have been on that. Some, some even commented that watched live last week. And, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to travel and see. Uh, I've had the privilege of traveling this country and seeing a lot of things. And I, I, I think even more than that, I enjoy traveling through the Word of God. And, and that's what we're going to attempt to do. And so tonight we're going to jump into the first book. So if you look there, we have the books of the Bible on the shelves there. And of course, we have all of the uh, Bible there, all 66 books, which is why we're calling this Route 66. But last week I mentioned to you, we, we started with that, that period between the Old Testament and New Testament. So notice we took all the Old Testament books off the shelf and we, we started with uh, really the, the in-between period going into the New Testament. Tonight we're going to jump into that very first book. And of course, that's the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to finish before we get started this little section that I didn't get to last week. Now, Hopefully, every one of you grab one of these outlines, and we sent it in an email. Uh, I gave uh, some more information because I realized last week that a lot of you were really struggling to keep up. I gave so much information, and so I, tr I tried to do you a favor and give you a little bit more, but there are, is still a lot that, that I will cover, and hopefully that will help you. If you did not get one, I think there's still some in the lobby out here, but I want to jump back to where we left off last week. Uh, finishing up before we get into the, the book of Matthew tonight. And so we were talking about the gospel records is where we started. And we hit that intertestimonial period, the intertestament between the Old and the New Testament, that period that covered 400 years. Now, all of that, what we covered last week, really laid the groundwork for where we are tonight going into the, these books of the New Testament. So I started uh, last week, or really ended, talking about the subject of the Gospels, and the whole reason that we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that it, it covers the, the life of Christ. It covers his birth, it covers his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and it covers his ascension, and that, that is the purpose. Uh, the purpose of the Gospels, then, is to reveal God accomplishing his work and what was the work of God the redemptive work of God. And that was accomplished through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's hard for us with our minds, and even tonight, and, and listen, honestly, as we go through this, you should, as you're here, you're listening, and, and maybe listening at home, you should say, wow, that's a lot of information. All I'm trying to do in this entire Wednesday night series is to give you kind of the nuts and bolts, kind of give you uh, really just some things and and you can take each one of these on your own time or maybe down the road. If you keep all these, put them together, it'll give you a very nice uh, packet or booklet or something that anytime you're studying a book of the Bible, you can go back to these and go, I, look, I'm going to be reading through the book of Matthew in my Bible reading. I want to familiarize myself again with what is the book of Matthew all about. And so I want you to keep these, hang on to these, and, and use these in the days ahead as you're studying and reading your Bible. Now, there's, there's four gospel records, and I mentioned last week there's only one gospel. But notice as we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want you to see the ways 
uh, that, that the, the Bible is laid out, the purpose behind each one of these. First of all, we see that Jesus, in, in Matthew's gospel, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, that, this is the way that he is looked at. And of course, uh, we, again, are just kind of doing an overview, but he is presented as, uh, as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we'll see tonight that he is, uh, was looked at and called the king of the Jews. Mark's gospel, Jesus is looked to as the devoted servant. I love this about Jesus. He did not come to be ministered to, but he came to minister. And so Jesus, again, look, when he, took, when he pushed away from the table and he took that basin of water and, and the towel and he began to wash their feet, what was he teaching? He was not teaching what some would say is another ordinance, but he was teaching this matter of being a servant. He was teaching that the way we lead is by serving one another. The Christian life is a fulfilled life when we realize that God has put us here, he saved us to serve him and to serve others. Now, a lot of times people struggle with that when there's pride in their heart because they want others to, to do things for them. But the joy is found in serving the Lord. And Jesus is a great example, the greatest example of being a servant doing his father's will. Luke's gospel, he is the son of man. He is the son of man. Jesus came to this earth and he, as, as a man, he represented lost men. Now, Jesus never sinned, but understand that when he came, the Bible teaches us that he never ceased to be God, even though he became man. Uh, years ago, somebody said, well, he was 50% God, 50% man. That's not true. He was 100% God, and he was 100% man. You say, how is that possible? Because he's God. Uh, that's not possible for us. So you, we'll find when we get in two more weeks to Luke's gospel, Jesus is presented as the son of man. And then John's gospel, he is the son of God. As you look at him there, he is the one that came down from heaven, and he is the one that has returned back to heaven. He is there with the Father, sitting at the right hand of God. Now, when you think of those four gospel records and you see the way Jesus is presented in each one of those, that's the purpose behind having the four gospels. It's kind of like this. If I can use this illustration, let's say that you, uh, you were driving down the road uh, here in town and you saw an accident, all right? Uh, some of you have maybe have been in one, you've seen one, uh, but if you saw one, sometimes people uh, might be walking on the street, maybe somebody that was driving by saw the accident, and, and so the police, a lot of times, they come on the scene, and they're looking for someone who was a witness to the accident. So they might see somebody standing on the corner, they'll walk over to them, and they'll say, did you see what happened? And so the person, if they did, they would say, yes, I did, and this is what I saw, and they'll tell what they saw. Uh, they might see a person pulled over in their car, and they would go over to that person. Uh, were you here? Did you see the accident? And so that person would then give their part of what they saw. Well, you know how it is, it, depending on your angle or where you're at or whatever, everybody sees something different from a different angle, maybe Somebody might have saw something that the other person didn't see. So what do the police do? 
they take all of the testimony, all of the witnesses' uh, records, they put them all together and they formulate uh, what really happened at the scene of the accident. Everybody with me understand the, the analogy? So when you look at why Matthew, why Mark, why, why Luke, and why John, because when you look at them, you put all of them together. It's like having a pie that is cut in four pieces. You have a whole when you put them together. But what's neat is, is because God separated them, we can see the various aspects even about the Lord in each one of them. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the devoted servant, the son of man, the son of God. It's kind of neat how it all comes together. Now, here's something that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't heard of, but when you look at the Gospels, each one of these accounts represents Christ as he lived and walked among men. When Jesus was on this earth, what was he doing? He was revealing the Father. He was revealing God to us. The Bible says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. See, you know, when people didn't realize that when, Je when they were in the presence of Jesus, they were in the presence of God. Why? Because Jesus was God. He was the representative of God when he was here on this earth as God. And so look what the Bible says here in your notes there in Hebrews chapter 1. The Bible says in verses 1 and 2, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by which also he made the worlds. Now, when you look at those verses there, and that, by the way, he, this is the beginning of that book called the book of Hebrews. Notice those couple phrases there. It says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners. Say, what, Pastor, what is all that about? Well, the wording here, sundry times, that literally means that at certain times, uh, maybe, maybe in certain ways, What's neat about it is it's more than one or two. In other, they're, it's, it's kind of giving the understanding of many, many different ways. Uh, Jesus, God didn't just reveal himself in just one way or two ways, but he did it in sundry times. And then here's the other phrase, diverse manners. And, and that, those two words basically give us the idea it's, it, it, God used various methods uh, to reveal himself. Uh, when you look in the Bible, here's what, you, j this is just an example. You, you might see where, remember where Moses saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed? That was God revealing himself. Take off thy shoes for the ground thou standest on is holy ground. Remember when Balaam had a donkey and the donkey spoke? That was God revealing. How about Joseph or Daniel where God revealed himself through dreams? See, there are many ways that God revealed himself when he was here and that's what he's meaning here by diverse manners he's it, by the way you look in the bible you see a, a lot of different forms of speech even uh, you'll see various things we'll talk about a few of those tonight but i love this how god even when jesus in acts chapter one the bible says that jesus after he rose from the dead he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, not by one. The Bible says he was seen of, of Cephas and many of the disciples. He was seen of the 10, and then he was seen of the 11 apostles. 
And then the Bible says this, he was seen of 500 brethren at one time. I mean, look, leaving no doubt that he had risen as he said he would. And that's, that's what it's talking about here. So when you think about the Gospels, when, when we look at Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, what do we see? We see how through each one of those Gospel records on the pages of the Word of God, look, if you put your spiritual eyes on, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see God. You're going to see Jesus as you're reading the Word of God. Now, the four Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are actually divided. Now, we don't realize this a lot of times, but you have three of the Gospels that are really kind of following the same line, and one is actually it follows a different uh, type of, of system, or God has designed it a little bit different. So the three Gospels would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the synoptic Gospels. Anybody ever heard that word, synoptic Gospel? Just a few of us. Now, when you think about this, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they form the synoptic. Here's what that word, synoptic, you know, we think about optical, right, our eyes to see. So what synoptic or synoptic means is it means to see the whole together, to make a comprehensive view. In other words, when we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, now, some of you have probably got a Bible, even some listening at home. In the back of your Bible, sometimes you'll have a lot of my study Bibles. It'll give you uh, like a graph or a chart, and it'll have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then down this side, it'll list maybe various miracles and things that happened in the gospel records. And it'll give you the references. And some things that happened happened maybe just in one of the three some might have happened in two of the three gospel records. Some might have happened in three. Very few things happened in all four. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have a chart like that. And, and so this is what we're talking about here is how the, these three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they, they give us a comprehensive view. Now, here's what they, if you want to jot this down, those three gospel records, they emphasize Christ's humanity. Now, again, I told you, that there's a reason that God, in, it's God's word, he put it together. These three gospel records, they actually present Christ's humanity, that he was God in the flesh, all right? Now, when you, when you look at uh, the, these three accounts, they are different accounts of mostly the same events. Each one of those accounts prevents, uh, presents the general view as a whole. Each one of the gospels that are the synoptic accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they perfectly harmonize in their witness of Jesus as the Messiah, all right? But here's the other gospel, remember John. John is a little bit different, whereas remember Matthew, Mark, and Luke all emphasize Christ's humanity. Here's the difference with John's. John's gospel stands by itself emphasizing Christ's deity, now, when we say the deity of Christ, what are we talking about? That Jesus was God in the flesh. So when you put them together, what do you have? You have that Jesus was God and Jesus was man. And it's neat when they, they come together because all of them fit together like, like a hand in a glove. And this is we need to understand this. So the Gospel of John uh, emphasizes the deity of Christ. Now, the writers, sometimes people say, well, listen, 
if maybe, maybe Matthew might have borrowed from Mark, and Mark borrowed from Luke, and Luke borrowed from Matthew, listen, I don't believe that. There are people who will say, well, maybe they just copied because maybe one was written before the other one, and they just copied some of the, the same events or same, same miracles or parables that maybe that other writer had written down. Here's why I don't believe that. In your notes there, notice the verse, 2 Timothy 3.16. What's the very first two words of that verse? What is it? First two words. All Scripture. How much Scripture? All Scripture is given by inspiration of who? Of God. You know what that means? That means that God, it's God's Word. So when we talk about the, the Word of God being inspired, that means God breathed His Word just like God spoke this world into existence. So what that means is God didn't give his word to Matthew and then Mark and Luke copied off of him. That means that God inspired Matthew to write the words that he wrote. God inspired Mark to write the words that he wrote. Are you with me tonight? All scripture. Look, either we believe the Bible or we don't. And the Bible says right here, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for reproof, for correction. Now watch this. This is where we're at tonight. For instruction. We're being instructed in the Word of God for righteousness, and we need to see how important the Word of God is. Now look there, uh, I think up on the screen, these verses in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. Notice these verses. The Bible says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Any of anybody out here or listening ever been told by somebody, well, that's not that's not God's word. I don't believe that. That's just a book of man. Everybody, anybody ever been told that before? Look at that verse again. We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses. We saw his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased remember how that happened when he was baptized in the Jordan and the Holy Spirit of God came down upon him like as of a dove he was standing in the water and there was a voice from heaven and that's what the voice of God the Father said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased by the way it's a great proof text if you ever need that to when somebody says, well, I don't believe in the Trinity. Well, there you have it. The Son of God standing in the water, the Holy Spirit of God is descending upon him, and the voice of God the Father is in heaven. People say, well, I just don't believe that. Well, the Bible teaches it, therefore I believe it. And so the Bible, let's read on here in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Again, he says, the voice which came down from heaven we heard and when we were with him in the holy mount. Remember how they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration? And they heard the same thing. It, and the Bible tells us here, Peter's writing it down. He said, look at verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in our hearts. Look, do you think this world is a dark place? It's a sinful place, isn't it? It's getting darker by the, by the minute. And, and listen, when Jesus came into this world, the Bible says the darkness comprehended it not, talking about how he was the light. 
Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. And let's read on here because the Bible says, look at verse 20. Knowing this, in other words, everything Peter's already said, that no prophecy, remember we talked last week about how God gave his word, that's prophecy. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You, you notice every week, I don't stand up here and go, listen, I understand this, but you can't. That's not what the Bible teaches. God gave his word, and when God saved you, he gave you his spirit that lives in you so that when you read the word of God, he illumines you, helps you to understand what you're reading. So look at it again. He says, it's not of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by, notice the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that helped them to write down. So when Matthew wrote his gospel and Mark wrote his and Luke and John wrote theirs, they were writing what God was giving to them. That's why this isn't man's book, this is God's book. This is the word of God. So when we look at this, these verses here that Peter writes to us, we need to understand that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, here's something I want you to, maybe you know this already, but as we look at the New Testament, the New Testament uh, is not arranged chronologically, all right? I hope you understand chronological is date and time order. And anybody like me, when I was younger in the Lord, I'd be reading along in my Bible and I'd start scratching my head like, huh? That doesn't fit there. That doesn't seem like it's a progression right there. And it, it, it took me a while to realize that the Bible in the New Testament, just like the Old Testament, is not arranged chronologically. And we need to understand that. Here's a couple other things before we get into Matthew tonight. And I want you to just think about this. The gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those four books, they contain 89 chapters. 89 in all, if you add each one of those, put them together. But here it is, four of those 89 chapters, four of the 89 chapters deal with the first 30 years of Christ's life. Now, he lived on this earth for about 33 or 33 and a half years. So stop and think about that, 89 chapters in all, and only four of those deal with the first 30. Now, what's that tell you about the rest of his life and how much the gospel records deal with, all right? Very important for us to get things like this. 85 chapters deal with the last three years of Christ's life. Now, of the 85 chapters, 27 of those, 27 of the total 80, 85 chapters deal with the last eight days of his life. Now, we all know Jesus went to the cross those eight days, that's the week that oftentimes we call the week of passion or the passion week where Jesus went through all that he went through, he went through for us. So 27 chapters in the gospel records, you think about it, Matthew's gospel is 28 chapters. That means almost one of four of the gospels deals just with the last eight days of, of Jesus' life. Pretty impressive when you look at it. And, and so it's evident that the last days of Jesus's life are more important. Now, it's all important, but they're more important than the first 30 years. Because why? Jesus didn't come to live. Jesus came to give his life so that we might have eternal life. Aren't you glad for that tonight? That we're saved by the grace of God. So the emphasis 
when you look at the gospel records, the emphasis is on his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We call that the gospel. That's where the emphasis is. And it, the gospel has provided the main theme for the, the apostles in the book of Acts. And then we'll eventually get into some of the doctrinal uh, aspects uh, of the church when we get to the church epistle books in the New Testament. Now, let's move on to Matthew's gospel tonight. And notice here that Matthew is called the book of Christ, Christ the King. That's, that's where we are tonight. So when you look, here's a good picture right here. Some of you, is this the way your Bible is? And I love it when you see this, the gospel according to Matthew. That's really what it is. Remember, there's only one gospel. So the header here on this page is the book of Christ, the King. Now the name Matthew, let's, let's give a little background behind Matthew so we can understand the individual that God used. Of course, we'll see here that he was one of the 12, but the name Matthew means gift of God. It means gift of God. Matthew was a Galilean Jew, and I gave some history last week about how the Jews kind of spread out, and this, this individual was a Galilean Jew. He lived in the region of Galilee, and he was called Levi. Now, notice the map here, because uh, I want you to kind of visualize. You can see Samaria down below, and the area known as Decapolis that we read about in the Word of God. You see this whole region here, right there by the Dead Sea, which is the area known as Galilee. This is a map of ancient Galilee from the time of Christ. And this is the area, the region that, that we would see Matthew was from. Now, Matthew was also called Levi. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 2 that as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. So we find here that, that he was a Galilean Jew. And now here's the thing is, he lived in Capernaum where he was a publican. Remember we said last week, anybody remember what a publican was? Tax collector. So he was a tax collector. Listen to Matthew 9, 9. Jesus passed forward from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me, and he arose and followed him. So he calls Matthew to be one of his twelve, and what a privilege it was to be one of those 12, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to be with him as he was teaching them. And of course, he was in his earthly ministry. And so as a result of being one of the 12, Matthew was an eyewitness of Christ's earthly ministry. And he was with Jesus until the time he ascended back to be with the Father. Uh, there's very little known about Matthew after the ascension of Christ. Some things that, that I studied and was able to find uh, many years ago is that uh, many believe that it, was, that it has been related that for about eight years that Matthew preached the gospel in the area of known as Judea, and then he went to spread the faith of Christ among the Gentiles. I think we have a, a map here of Judea. Now, remember, we, we saw Galilee, which was above Samaria there at the top of that map. Galilee is a little bit farther south, and of course this is, uh, or excuse me, Judea is, and this is the area that many believe that Matthew spent about eight years really telling people about the Lord, and his ministry, because of what the Lord had taught him and shown him, was among the Gentiles. Remember, anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile, and so this is what we see. Now, 
uh, many believe that he labored to evangelize in three specific areas. One is known as Ethiopia, which today we ha actually have a missionary there. Notice uh, the, the bottom corner there, part of Egypt down below, you have Ethiopia. Also, they believe that he's, he uh, spent time evangelizing in Persia and Parthia uh, to the Parthians. And so all of this area, many believe that Matthew spent a lot of time. Now, uh, Matthew, they believe that he suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia about 62 AD. So you see there uh, what is believed to be the area known as where Matthew breathed his last breath. Of course, when uh, one day we meet individuals like this in heaven, uh, they will tell you that it was worth it all uh, to preach the gospel, tell people about the Lord. So there's a little background behind Matthew, the name Matthew. Let's look at some of the contents uh, that we'll find in the book. And again, I can't do justice to it, but this book is, again, divinely inspired. It's the account of Christ's birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Uh, he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. Remember how, uh, I think it was Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, because Nazareth was kind of a despised town. I remember going there when we traveled in Israel and saw uh, the area where Jesus walked up to the crest of the hill and, and walked through the crowd. It was an amazing time just to, just to realize that the Lord had maybe had been to that very same spot. But, but this book, the book of Matthew, presents the Messiah of Jewish prophecy. And I love how Matthew, again, God giving him the direction Matthew sought in his writing to present Jesus as the Christ. Now, when we say the Christ, remember his name is Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. But the word Christ, Christos, is a direct reference to the Messiah. This is the area where the Jews of old and even some today still struggle because uh, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They missed it. Uh, they're still looking forward to his coming. And, of course, we know that he's going to come again, but it'll be different when he comes back this next time. Now, there are two of the gospel records out of the four that actually give a genealogy. And uh, Matthew's gospel is one of those two. The other one is Luke. When you look at these two genealogies, Matthew's genealogy is different from Luke's. Uh, and as you read them, and I've done that before in my Bible reading, I'll look back or look over at the other one to see if they're the same. They are different, and there's a reason behind that. We're going to look at Matthew's, and when we get to Luke's, we'll talk about his. But Matthew actually gave the kingly line, and the reason he did that was he showed that Christ was the son of David. In other words, a descendant of David. This is very important. Uh, Isaiah himself in the Old Testament, Isaiah asked the question in Isaiah 53, 8, who shall declare his generation? And then Matthew, when you get to the New Testament, Matthew actually answered and he proved that the virgin-born Son of God, Jesus Christ, had every right to David's throne. That is huge, that Jesus has the right to sit on the throne of David. And we're going to get into that a little bit, and some of that you may need to study out if you've never done that. But these are some of the contents that you're going to find in the, the book of Matthew. Notice the character. When you study the book of Matthew, here's what the character is. It is a book 
that in nature it's historical. It covers a lot of the history of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the subject of, of the, the book of Matthew. Now, I, I love this because when, when you look at it, the main subject of the, the, the gospel of Matthew is the teachings of Christ. Now, we'll, we'll use the word here, the discourses. How many of you have heard the word discourses? A couple of you have. And, and really, here it's kind of a, a word that just kind of gives us an idea of, of speeches that were given, uh, types of speeches that were given. And Matthew actually uses five of these discourses to structure or frame his gospel. So when you look at these five, I mean, they make up the bulk of the gospel of Matthew. And I love it because what they do is these five discourses, these speeches of Jesus actually retell the Old Testament and they fulfill the Old Testament. And, and so when we look at these, here's the first one. You have them all there on your notes. The first one you have is the Sermon on the Mount. And remember how this one starts? It starts with the Beatitudes. Remember that? Blessed are the, blessed are the. So you have the Beatitudes there at the beginning of this. But I love Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, if you want to jot this down, I mean, I'll, I'll just make this statement, but maybe it'll help you a little bit. The Sermon on the Mount, here's what happened. And we, we actually stood in the area that Jesus delivered this sermon as he went on the mount and the people gathered around him. What was he doing there? He was declaring the law and he was, he was calling his people, the people of God, to live a, a, a life in a righteous way. Now remember, the, our righteousness is as filthy rags. What Jesus was calling them to do was to live in a righteousness that exceeded the righteousness of the Pharisees. Remember we talked last week about the Pharisees and how they believed they were guardians of the law but how everything was all about doing this, doing that, a system of works. And Jesus was challenging to, to live a life of righteousness that exceeded the righteousness of the Pharisees. The second of the discourses that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter number 10 was when he called or commissioned the 12. And uh, people, people a lot of times struggle, but listen, Judas was one of the 12. Now, Jesus knew that. He was God. But we see here that it, when he calls the 12, he sends them out many times. They came back and, and they asked him questions. He was trying to help them to increase their faith when they went out, just like us, even today, they went out into enemy territory. Uh, they faced things. They, uh, they were to cast out the enemy. And of course, the enemy in those days, which is even similar today, is that, that they were facing demonic forces. They were, they were facing disease. Remember how they asked Jesus, why could we not cast out uh, what was going on in this person's life? And Jesus had to teach them, and he had to try to get them to increase their faith. You know that, listen, the power that he gave, we don't, we don't believe in apostolic succession, but listen, Jesus, when he said, go ye into all the world, he, he is giving us his power to do his work. And we need to understand that because he was sending them out. Listen, as he sent them out, Matthew 10, 16, he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, when you look through Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, you'll see that they were rejected when they went out. 
Anybody in here ever been rejected when you're talking to somebody about the Lord? Uh, it's amazing a lot of times how people listen. I mean, they'll, they'll put up their hand, they'll slam a door, they'll start to curse you out. People, here, here's something that helped me years ago. When somebody does that, they're not rejecting me personally. They're rejecting what I'm trying to share with them, and that is Jesus. And so they were rejected, uh, Matthew chapter number 10. They, they were received by some. And Jesus tells them in Matthew chapter number 10 that they were to not fear what man could do unto them. Hey, listen, the same today as we live for the Lord is God wants us to go out. <clears throat> some will reject, some will accept. And he says, as you go, don't be afraid. You're doing my bidding. And then the, the third of the discourses that he gives is the parables of the kingdom. I love those. In Matthew chapter number 13, the fourth one is when Jesus has this conversation with his disciples about the church and what a great passage that is and Jesus there is distinguishing between his followers who are true followers and who are the enemies of God and then the last of the discourses which is a phenomenal passage in Matthew 23 through 25 is what's known as the Olivet Discourse that's where Jesus having come out of the temple for the last time he's over on the Mount of Olives and he begins to talk about what's going to happen in the days to come. All of these are great teachings, and as you look at the subject behind it, you see these teachings. Along with those five discourses, Matthew contains 15 parables and 20 miracles. There's a lot in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, let me just share, I don't know if you're familiar with the word parable or what it means, but a parable is a story that illustrates. Oftentimes, what Jesus would do is things were unfamiliar to them. So he would take something that was familiar so that they could understand that which is unfamiliar. As somebody said that uh, what a parable is, is it's a story that's cast alongside of a truth in order to illustrate a truth. Uh, I like to think of it this way. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. It's a wonderful teaching method in the, in the Word of God and in Matthew's Gospel. There are 15 of those parables, great teachings. Then let's look at the purpose behind the Gospel of Matthew. The purpose is to prove Jesus is the Christ, that he is the son of David, and he's the son of Abraham. Now, you'll see in just a minute where we get this from, but this is very, very important. The opening verse in Matthew's Gospel actually connects the two most important Old Testament covenants. And those covenants are the Davidic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant. Now, why those two? Well, the Davidic covenant is where God promised to David that his house, his kingdom, and his throne would be established, here it is, forever. That's, that's what God promised to David. Now remember, covenants are not based on man. See, Israel, just like us today, Israel had rejected God, would not turn to God. But remember, those covenants did not become null and void because of sin, because covenants are based on God, they're not based on man. So that Davidic covenant is still good today. Now notice the other covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. And again, if we went back, we could and maybe you will, what was the Abrahamic covenant about? Here it is. It was the promise of the land. 
Everybody's fighting over that piece of property over there. Well, guess what? Nobody can have it because God has already promised it to someone. And so we see here that this is the promise of the land, the descendants, the blessing, and the redemption of God. And, and when, you, when you look at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, you see the mention of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it established that, that fact of those two covenants. So what that tells me when I'm reading my Bible, here it is, that Jesus would come to redeem mankind and he would come to establish his kingdom. That, listen, when he was on this earth, they wanted him to establish his kingdom when he was on this earth, but it was not time for him to do that. He had to go to the cross and to give his life, but I look, I'm looking forward to the day that he's coming back and he will establish his kingdom and rule and reign from the throne of David. So that's the purpose behind it. And again, that's just a, a synopsis of what the purpose is. Now look at this outline. I'm just going to go through it real quick, but I think this will help you as you study it. I've given you where all these are found. It's just a progression through. So notice you have the infancy when Jesus was born of the king. And remember how they said, where is he? Born king of the Jews. So you see the infancy of the king. You see the manifestation of the king when Jesus steps into. Look, before he stepped out into the public eye, he was living an obscure life. There's 18 years of his life from the time he was 12 in the temple till the time he was 30. The Bible doesn't really tell us what he was doing. Now, I do know this. The Bible says he was subject unto his parents. He was doing whatever his parents asked him to do. He was the model son uh, to Mary and Joseph. But notice then we see the proclamation in chapters 5, 6, and 7, that great sermon on the mount. And then number four, you see the authority of the king is established, how that Jesus then begins to establish who he is and how that he came here from heaven. Then you see the ministry presented of the king in chapters 9 through chapters almost chapter 13. And then you have a section in chapter 13, the mystery reign of the king. And remember, there, that's a great teaching there of those, uh, as we saw here just a minute ago in chapter number 13, the parables of the kingdom. And that's what that chapter is about. Then, then you have the prophecy of the king. And I love this portion here, Matthews 24 and chapter 25. Then you have chapters 26, 27, the trial, Jesus is put on trial, not for any crimes that he's done, and of course the death of the king, and then it all ends, chapter 28, with the resurrection of, of the king and the commission of the king, and we see that Jesus, before he ascended, he commissioned the church, and that's what we're a part of today. So there's a real uh, easy outline for you to follow and what you'll see when you're going through the book of Matthew. Notice the scope of the gospel of Matthew. All the events that took place uh, that are recorded by Matthew covered a period of about 34 years. Well, when you read it, you think to yourself, wow, all that took place in that short of a time span. Yes, about 34 years. The writer, write it down, of course, we've already said is Matthew. He was one of the 12 apostles. And who did he write to? Here it is. Likely, he was writing to Greek-speaking Jews. Anybody remember we called last week Jews that had adopted the Greek culture. Anybody remember what kind of Jews they are? Hellenistic Jews. So he was writing to these folks. And, and what's interesting, and I've given you some of these verses, as he's writing to Greek-speaking Jews, there are times in his gospel where he finds it necessary 
to interpret words. Look at these, a couple of these verses. Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, what's it say? Emmanuel. And then watch this, he interprets, which is being interpreted is God with us. But he tells us, again, because of his audience to whom he was writing to. When you go to the end of his gospel, look at chapter 27, 33. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, here's the interpretation. That is to say, a place of a skull. Matthew 27, verse 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God. My God, people say, boy, I don't know what Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani means. Well, he says it right here. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So there were times because of who he was writing to that he felt it necessary to interpret words. His, his gospel account also appealed to Gentiles. Remember those that, that sought Jesus, the wise men? They weren't Jews. They were Gentiles. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Uh, they, were, they went seeking the king of the Jews. They were looking for him, following the star. Matthew 21, verse 43, look at this verse. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. Now, who do you think the from you is? From the Jews, right? From Israel. He says that the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. That's a reference to Gentiles. Because of the unbelief of the Jews, the gospel went forth to the Gentile nations. Now listen, those that are Jews or understand the Bible, listen, the Jews have not been cut out. <laughs> Everything God promised to them will someday be a reality. You could read uh, uh, Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 and other places in the Word of God. But when we talk about this portion here, that the gospel now going out, Christ came to call sinners. Well, you know who are sinners? Gentiles and Jews. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or what the Word of God teaches. So he calls sinners to repentance. Jesus invites everyone to come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus here is, is calling all sinners. The Great Commission included all nations. That includes Gentiles. Look at Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, see, he says, go ye into all nations, not just under the Jews, not just under the nation of Israel. So that is who Matthew, listen, you have to understand that as you turn the corner from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the audience was primarily to the Jewish people, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But when you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the audience is starting to change from Jewish to Jewish Gentile. So that by the time you get to the, the book of Acts, you see that the gospel door has swung wide open to the Gentiles. All right. Remember Jesus' conversation with the Syrophoenician woman, and she was asking something from him, and she says, well, even, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall off the table. Remember that? And Jesus wasn't saying to her, I don't love you, I don't care about you. The truth is he came to die for her soul as well as all of ours. But there was a time period, and in that transitional time really takes place. We'll talk about that in the book of Acts. 
So notice here when and where was the book of Matthew written. Now, I'm, I will give you some, something to write down here, but I'm going to preface this. All of these records, you cannot be hard and fast on uh, as far as the dates. It's probably fairly accurate. I just, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to matter in eternity, but a lot of times people are like, when was this written? It was probably, Matthew's was probably written around 37 A.D., at Jerusalem is where many believe that this was written from. Now, I have seen that many believe, or not many, but some believe that Matthew was written somewhere around 55 to 60 AD. Uh, but again, uh, you call it what you want. Look at the key chapter in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. And uh, say, chapter 16, what's in that chapter? That is the chapter where Peter gives the confession of who Jesus is. Remember how Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And, and he says, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, uh, Elias, one of the prophets. And then he kind of turned to his disciples and he said, but who do you say that I am? Look at, look at the verses here. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they say, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the, there it is, the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what's sad, Brother Robert? You remember that when we were in Caesarea Philippi? Right there by the water's edge of the, of the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, there was a huge statue right there. And it was a huge statue of what was supposed to be Peter. And right below it, it had a verse from chapter 16 of Matthew's gospel where Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And there was an entire group of people there basically kind of worshiping that statue or worshiping Peter. Peter is not to be worshiped. Jesus established the church on himself. And people get it wrong all the time. And look, if nothing else, if they would just take heed to what Peter said. Peter didn't say, I am the Christ. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Hey, I think even Peter understood it. And uh, I'll tell you, I was really struggling with that statue right there. But Matthew chapter 16 is the key chapter. Look at the key verse. Remember, we talked earlier about this. Here it is. Matthew 1, 1. That's the key verse. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, here it is, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, when you see that phrase there, the book of the generation, that phrase only occurs one other time. I want you to write this reference down. It's in Genesis 5.1. That's the only two times you see this reference. And in Genesis 5.1, the Bible says, this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man and the likeness of God made he him. And I say, Pastor, what's the significance of that? Here it is right here. Throw that slide up there. I want everybody to see that. What you find is, is that Genesis actually records the first Adam, which is Adam. But Matthew here actually records the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. So it's important for us to see this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love these verses. For since by man came death. See, we, we all die. The wages of sin is death, right? So since by man came death, 
by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Well, who's that? That's Jesus. Because the Bible says here, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Praise the Lord for Jesus Christ, <laughs> the second Adam, the last Adam. And so a couple of things here as we conclude tonight. The key words that when you study the book of Matthew are the words king that you see where it is Jesus presented as the king because there are times where the word king is used, but it's not in reference to Jesus. But there's five times that the word king is used, and then there's 50 times that you see the word kingdom that is mentioned in, the, in Matthew's gospel. Those are the key words. The key phrase, here it is, that it will or it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. Remember, Jesus came, and when Jesus came, you have to understand, is all the Bible God's word? Yes. So if Jesus came and said, you know what? I came to establish a New Testament, which, by the way, he did. But if he would have said, you know, I came to establish a New Testament, and we're just going to do away with the old. Tell you what, let's just throw it in the trash. Let's burn it because it's outdated. It's old. No, no, no. Jesus said, look, he said, I came to fulfill everything that God had already given in the Old Testament. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. When you see that phrase there, the law or the prophets, that's a direct reference to the entire Old Testament. He says, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass. And by the way, that still hasn't happened. He says, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law Notice, till all be fulfilled. Do you know there are still prophetic passages in the Word of God that still are yet future, even in our day? We're looking forward to those happening. I just told somebody today, I said, I hope the Lord comes back before this next election. I guarantee you that. But Jesus came to fulfill the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. Here's the key thought in Matthew's Gospel is Christ's ministry. I, I mentioned this verse earlier, Matthew 20. Verse 28, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And then I love this, spiritual thought to the Gospel of Matthew. Here it is, the word repent. Now, does anybody remember who came before Jesus? Who was the forerunner of Jesus? John the Baptist. Now, the Bible says, look at it in Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Jesus then comes on the scene. Remember how, and again, God does everything in order. If Jesus would have come while John was preaching, it might have caused some confusion. But what's neat about it is, is that when the ministry of John the Baptist ended, that's when Jesus' public ministry began. Now, did Jesus have a different message than John's? No. How do we know that? Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. 
from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sounds to me like he was preaching the exact same thing that John the Baptist was preaching. How is that possible? Because John got his messages from God. And so Jesus, as God, was preaching the same message. By the way, what's the message we preach today? Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins because the kingdom of God is at hand. See, even in the Bible, way back when they were alive on this earth, they believed that the Lord could come back at any moment. That's called the imminent return of Christ. So again, we see the spiritual thought in Matthew's gospel is to repent. And then lastly tonight, how do we see Christ when we look at the book of Matthew? And here it is. He's presented as the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. Uh, we see early on Matthew 2, 2, where they said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And then notice in the, as Jesus is there and he's hanging on the cross for our sins, the Bible says in Matthew 27, And they set over his head his accusation. Think about that. It was a true accusation. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And so Matthew's gospel, so rich, there is so much there. And again, we've gone through it quick, but I want you to take that and I want you to think about it. Maybe this week or maybe put it somewhere, put all these together. Use these as you're studying your Bible. I hope they'll be a help to you. So here, here we are. We've got the books of the Bible. We just got started with Matthew. Next week, we're going to jump into the next one, which is Mark's gospel. And I hope you're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great, great time. And if you're here tonight and you, uh, you came prepared to give, we, we just ask that after we have a word of prayer, that on your way out, you can drop your offering in one of the offering boxes on the way out. But I want to thank you for listening tonight. How many of you learned a little bit about Matthew tonight, Matthew's gospel? And uh, there are so many other things. I told my wife earlier, I said, it's just hard to draw a line where you can stop. But uh, hopefully this helps you some. I hope it challenges you. Well, I want to get into the, the gospel of Matthew because there's so much stuff that I saw there tonight. And I hope it's a help to you. Well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for this evening and for the rich word of God that we studied tonight. Pray that you'd help us to study this book and other books and to know more about you. Thank you for being our king. And I pray that you'd help us to live for you in a way that pleases you. In Christ's name we, we ask this. Amen.